Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. Uh, welcome to Podstarter, everyone. Uh, uh, we had an interesting conversation, Reese, with uh, with you and Sean McBee. I believe he's with uh, Table Reads Podcast. So I stumbled across a post that Sean had posted uh, where he talked about a review that someone had given him. And, and it really was a moment where his podcast uh, was kind of at a low point. He wasn't enjoying making any more. They'd made 60 episodes. They put a lot of time and effort into it. And a lot of the elements of the review that, that really kind of hit home with him and kind of set him on this uh, new journey of of leaving the show, uh, kind of go dormant for a while, really retrain himself to kind of learn how to run the show himself, find the right kind of hosts because uh, some of the issues were with the host that he had, who was also one of his best friends, which made it quite difficult. Uh, and then kind of relaunching the show with, you know, I, I reached out to him and said, you know, would you be willing to share this story? I understand that he was very honest opening up. I mean, the name of the, the, the title of the... Of the review that changed it was called it is seriously very poorly done one star so for him to share that and then talk about it, i thought it was like oh you know this this is someone who's willing to go i i need to change my ways and find a way to get it right i should give people a little background we we're in volta labs volta labs is a startup community here in halifax and we're surrounded by uh um, uh, tech startups that are trying to figure out how to get to, to market. One of the dialogues that we fre- frequently hear is the uh, the ability and the understanding of when to pivot. Uh, from a tech standpoint, it's it's common knowledge, but from a podcast, it's a real interesting notion where you've already gotten to market, you're having a conversation, and there's a moment when you've got an opportunity to consider pivoting. You know, you get to a point where you've put so much time and effort into something, the idea of just scrumpling up the paper and starting all over again just doesn't seem viable. But he he kind of had to rebuild his regular listenership from scratch. And it took a lot of time and effort to kind of rejig everything. And and he's now created a huge workload for himself because he's going back and re-editing like a huge archive of, of old episodes to take out jokes that he wasn't comfortable with or to take out elements of the shows that he didn't have control over at the time one of the things that that he's quite brave with is he was op- really open in that post but also he's now uh, very open in terms of sharing how he's built his studio he's got a youtube channel which we'll put in the show notes that has got you know he, he shares advice he's quite open about what he's learned and there's definitely a community focus there um and and that openness in podcasting and that idea of sharing good practices and mistakes and learnings is is, is kind of really goes hand in hand there really is uh, that tangible sense of community and and he's part of it but the but the really shocking piece uh, for me in this is that that we all receive criticism um but the the fact that this this podcast and the the review writer um, took the time to communicate very clearly gave a poor review, and we all are somewhat suspect and suspicious and and downhearted, downtrodden, I guess, when we hear negative reviews. But this was actually a positive thing. So I think that second message is to understand that people that are engaging with your content and, and giving you feedback, positive and negative. There's an opportunity that to look beyond um, sort of blanket statements and take that to heart. And you know, you know, it's like you, you some if you work so hard on something and you're putting it out there, uh, uh, it, it, you know, you, you're going to be you're being judged by people who uh, you know you don't know, and and to to kind of be able to 
take that criticism on and then you know use it to make yourself stronger is is a really good admirable kind of skill and process uh you know you, you can have thick skin but not so thick that you can't see value in, in in criticism that sometimes is directed at you i'm excited to listen to this podcast to talk about uh from first step to a pivot moment and then to a new space I'm, I'm keen to listen to uh, to uh, Reese Waters having a conversation with Sean McBee uh, from The Table Reads talking about how you uh, take criticism, pivot, and improve. Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. Okay, so um, with me this week is Sean McBee from Table Reads. Uh, Table Reads is a really good concept. Uh, essentially, you read scripts that kind of fell by the wayside during development. Uh, and uh, yeah, would you like to describe the show in your own terms? So um, the show originally was a method of mocking myself because I found a drawer full of old screenplays I had written. And we thought that it would just run forever like that, but uh, we quickly found that we weren't as prolific writers as we thought. So we had to turn to other movies that never got made um, and not amateur stuff, but those sort of big budget, bad idea scripts, um, sequels and reboots and adaptations that most people knew was a bad idea. Um, but someone still paid them to write it. <laughs> I, I was I was listening to your Lord of the Rings episode recently, and the, the amount of money that people got paid to make terrible scripts <laughs> it was uh, is really interesting. I believe that one was like three million dollars they were paid to write that script. <laughs> The, the the show, uh, you currently have two other co-hosts uh, and you kind of go through, you you give a bit of context to the scripts and then you uh, you kind of start to read them and, and do the different voices. But the, the reason we're kind of talking is because I, I, I discovered a post that you, you'd made on a podcasting subreddit where you were talking about a one-star review that completely uh, changed your perspective on what you were doing, but more so you were already questioning the, the, the way your show had been going from the beginning, but really clarified. Uh, so, some or give you some answers as to maybe how you should proceed in the future, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it it uh, really was echoing a lot of what I was already feeling while also being real mean to me. Um, it really, I, I read it and I sort of was just like, yeah, man, I know. And I wished I could reach out to the guy and say, yeah, man. I know. <laughs> I got to add at this point that I, I, I read the review and I've listened to some episodes of your show. And as much as there were some like things that I think you agree with, and I, I can I can completely understand some of it was uh, was 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 mean as well. Like I I, I certainly don't think that your voice um, is kind of unsuitable for podcasting. I think some of it was kind of uncalled for and maybe they were it was it was they were caught up in the rant but um there was elements there that really spoke to you uh, about things that you felt you could take action on i suppose yeah um the voice thing though it um i i'm not this i don't sound quite this good in my day-to-day -day <laughs> life but when there's a microphone in front of me this review is in the back of my head it's stuck with me in terms of my voice which is weird because I've been on a microphone literally most of my life at this point. I had a radio show when I was 18 years old, which was the Clinton administration. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I remember that administration. I'm that old too. So, <laughs> what, what was the kind of what was the immediate action? What, what what were the fundamental things that you felt needed to be addressed? So, um, for a while, with my original co-host on the show, um, I'd been feeling like he was dragging the show in a direction that I wasn't happy with. It was um, our interactions were too adversarial. Um, and we've known each other since we were 14 years old. Uh, we met in 1993. So there's the math for you guys. Um, and we've been inseparable uh, for a lot of that time, even when we were separated by you know a 500-mile difference or whatever. Or further, he moved to L.A. for a while. That's a 3,000-mile difference. You know, it's um, that kind of friendship. And so it's, it's a complex relationship. And when we're just hanging out, we can knock on each other and rag on each other all the time. And it's just natural. It's the way we interact. But when we get on a podcast and we, we have a tight 60 minutes to entertain people and we're devolving into little snipes and arguments it's really not fun to listen to. And I was really getting a sense of that. And another big problem was that I wasn't in control of the podcast. He had all the recording equipment. He was kind enough to make all the production and do all the compression and magic after recording podcast juice and get it ready to publish and all of that. So... Yeah, I wasn't there to say, can we cut this out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I suppose you didn't you didn't necessarily feel like if you gave him a bunch of notes, he was already doing that work. It would just make the situation worse, I guess, in that sense, because you'd just be, you know, disrupting the flow of the workflow he was already doing. Right. And um, the show's never been heavily edited um, because uh, he and I both did, you know, terrestrial radio where you can't edit yourself. It's live. Um. We had that radio show together when we were 18 on an AM radio station in Florida. And, uh, you know, we're just used to doing a little bit of prep work and then go out live, throw it out there. It exists. And even now, I still record pretty much like it's live. I play all my production live as it happens, including the intro and the outro. And I live stream it. Nobody watches, but they could, <laughs> and it would be professionally-ish. So yeah, uh, we would record, and then he would give me the processed final thing, and I would throw it on my podcast host. Um, and if I were to go back and be like, well, can you cut out these sections? He was already doing a lot. I would have felt bad to ask him to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I suppose the the um, the real issue as well is that once something's gone up, going back and and re-editing and tweaking is you know you, you especially with the, the workflow of a podcast, you're always going. We've got to release another episode. We've got to release another episode. The thought of going back to your back catalogue and and kind of re-editing everything on top of the workload of of keeping the thing alive in the present is is got to be a, a big ask as well. Which is in fact what I'm doing. I. Uh... Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> are you, is 
that sounds like a mounted. Yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got fifty nine episodes um, of yeah. podcasts that have things in it that I'm not happy with, and some of it is me and him arguing, which is a lot of me arguing because he is entertained when I'm angry, and so he would get me angry on purpose so that he could be entertained. But the audience, I assure you, was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some of it is uh, he engages in um, the use of certain words that I do not agree with. Now, I'm so, so I'm editing out any instance of certain offensive words that he's uttered um, that always made me cringe in the moment. But uh, now I can do something about it. Yeah. So I am. And it's it is taking forever. I mean, that, that takes me to the question of, of audience. So you'd already been building this show for, for nearly 60 episodes. So it, it, with the kind of audience you had, was the audience growing in the way you'd hoped? Or did you build a following? Uh, and how did they react to when you decided to make these changes initially? So the biggest issue with the show in general, um, you know, let me, let me just rewind a little bit. Um, we were growing um not you know into the thousands but we were getting consistent numbers we were seeing small but consistent growth uh we'd been picked up and put onto um a podcast network yeah and additionally um onto uh an internet radio station so it was growing it was getting out there um and then I was having real misgivings about him as my co-host, but again, with all our history, it's not a thing that you want to broach easily. Like, I don't want you on my show anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd been thinking about it, but I didn't think I was ever going to pull the plug until he had a falling out with our podcasts network. And then one thing led to another, and he said, look, man, I'm just going to drop out. Um, so from that point, I ended up taking about a year and a half hiatus because I then needed to get all the equipment and learn how to use it and get new co-hosts and all of this stuff. And when you're building an audience, a year and a half hiatus will kill any momentum you had and basically put you back to square one. So, and that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. <clears throat> now, I recommend that people listening check out your YouTube channel because you've you've been on the journey of kind of learning how to how to record and build. Uh, you've built your own studio space, uh, I, and I've got to I've got to say how how incredible your studio space looks. How long did that take you? Because if I don't know how how much previous experience did you have? It's, it sounds like you went from not having a huge amount of knowledge to now uh, being incredibly capable in, in terms of the, the studio space recording element. Well, I appreciate that you think so. Um, <laughs> well, it looks good and it sounds good. So <laughs> uh, I, I basically, I set it up and I figured out how to make everything sound good. And if I need to change anything, it's going to be a time consuming process while I figure out how. Yeah. So it's that kind of level. Like I dialed it in and now I'm set there. And if I need to change anything, it's going to be problematic. Um, but no, um, forever, 
I got into all this audio stuff through Trevor, my original co-host. Um, in high school, he had a little recording set up in his bedroom at his parents' house. Um, and this is the most embarrassing thing. I would go over to his house on the weekends. I would sleep over. And we would do a fake radio show before we had a real radio show of the same name called The Midnight Madness. We would start recording at midnight and go until 4 a.m. Because at the time, a typical radio station's like one show was like four hours. So we would just we would play music. We would play sketches. We would talk just this whole like radio show broadcasting to nothing just being recorded onto a cassette tape uh, i did exactly the same thing with my friends too and then we'd listen back to it and laugh at our own jokes so yeah, it was and we did it almost every weekend it oh, was wow. insane but trevor was the one always running the audio and after high school we built up an audio studio and we made movies together and we did all this stuff. And Trevor was always the audio guy up until a couple of years ago when I had to buy all this stuff and, and, uh, build it up. And it, it took a while. Um, when I started table reads, all I had was, uh, the snowball mic. Yeah. It was just that. Plugged into my computer. Trevor was still in Florida, so he was recording on his end and putting everything together. And I just had that one little mic. And then when he moved here to Atlanta, uh, he had his little setup. So I'd go over to his house and we'd record there. And then we would hang out at, at real radio stations when we were teenagers. And they always had the Electro Voice RE20 microphone. So I'd always wanted that mic. That was the one that every radio station had and has to this day. I went a little cheaper with the RE320 because it looks nicer and it sounds just as good for podcasting purposes, I think. So I ended up, over time, building up to four of those. And I got a mixer that would allow me to record multi-track into my computer. At Trevor's setup, it all just went in stereo, which made editing a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I'm really learning right now as I edit those <laughs> old episodes. But I wanted more control over everything. Yeah. So if someone burped or talked over someone else and a funny line was missed, I could just snip it out. That's really important to me, and now I can do that. Yay. Yeah. And you're editing an audition as well, aren't you? Yes. Looking at you, I know you've done a tutorial on your edit process and everything. Again, you know, really useful for people to to check out. Um, I I I love I love using Audition. It's my kind of go to um, uh, platform to, to use. Uh, did you? I've find... been using it since it was Cool Edit Pro in the night. Oh wow! There we go. <laughs> I think I I didn't get into it until mid two thousands um, and was using it mainly for editing radio shows. Uh, for a rainy radio documentary but i kind of I, I think it's one of those platforms where it can be intimidating to look at but once you actually get the workflow of it is is incredibly useful and you work quite quickly in it as well yeah i do um it's it's all a matter of just setting up a good template and having your effects in there and ready to go so you just drag and drop your recorded audio 
and it processes it all for you. Because I I work 50 to 60 hours a week and it doesn't leave me a lot of time for editing podcasts. No, so no, no. <laughs> that's that's another real good reason for doing it as if it's live almost. Um, so if you listen, there are going to be some unprofessional parts in the podcast. I think uh, the episode we recorded uh, last night, um, I uh, we we also live stream on YouTube, and the the remote that I have on my phone, I have an, um, a Stream Deck app on my phone because I'm too cheap to buy the actual Stream Deck at the moment, and it kept disconnecting, and I couldn't turn on the camera. So at the top of the episode, you're just going to hear me saying, sorry, guys, I got to come over here and turn on the camera. This is really unprofessional. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just not going to edit that out. Sometimes, but that can add an element of charm to it. I think there's there's a spontaneity to it that makes podcasting quite endearing, I think. I agree. I think that if you have to have the good production quality, though, if you have bad sound quality and you're doing that, you just come across like garbage. Well, pe- people are used to live radio and live TV and the unpredictable nature of it, so it's, it's not too alien a concept, I don't think. For if they if they bought in and they they you know a, a solid audience, sometimes those things can add the little behind the scenes can add a little you know extra um, element for them, which is which can be quite a nice thing to see. So that's one of the biggest issues I have actually is um, I've gotten my numbers right up to about where they were before the big hiatus killed my audience. Um, But they aren't an interactive bunch. I don't get feedback from them. I don't know who they are or what they like or what they don't like. So I just have to go with what I like and don't like. And I will say that when I listen back to the episodes before putting them out there, I laugh out loud at some of the stuff, (laughs) which is a really good thing because I'm a very harsh self-critic. That's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. Definitely. A lot of people starting podcasts will grab a a good friend or somebody they feel they've got chemistry with, uh, or maybe share a passion with, and then can talk about it together. Uh, and then obviously, you know, further down the line, as, as you went through the process of doing it, you realized it, it wasn't the right fit for the kind of show you wanted to do. What, mindset did you have moving forward when you were like okay i need some new hosts uh, how did you how did you put kind of approach that to make sure that you did it the the, the right way for, for you and, and the kind of the goals that you had well i think that i had a sense that just someone i a stranger or someone i didn't know well wasn't going to have the issues that i had been having which are really issues with too much familiarity. Um, a thing with Trevor is that he'll he'll throw out a, a a character assessment of me based on having known me for twenty five years, which is totally fair, but it doesn't have a bearing on the on the podcast. So what I did was I focused on what I needed. A host to be able to do. So instead of going to a podcasting subreddit and saying, hey, I need a co-host, I went to a voice actors subreddit and said, hey, who would like to be a co-host that can do a bunch of voices? That's cool. Because we read scripts. So I needed someone with a variety of voices. Um, 
between my current co-hosts and Trevor uh, was Patrick. He was the guy that ran our um, podcast network that our show had been on. When Trevor backed out of the show, Patrick was very helpful. He loaned me my first RE320 for almost a year. He helped me with gear recommendations, and he filled in reading on a script with me. But he he didn't do a lot of voices. He couldn't. He had a great radio voice. Yeah. And that was it. So that helped inform me that I needed to find someone that could do a bunch of voices. It also helped inform me that for my show, I needed someone in the room with me. It's it's very interactive because it's not just reading the script. It's reacting to the insanity of these scripts. They are so often so insane or just mind-numbingly terrible that they, they do promote uh, a real reaction in you because we don't know what they are going in. Yeah. We read them completely cold because the, the, general, the genuine reaction is very important to me. So I knew I needed someone in the room with me. So I, I reached out for a voice actor in Atlanta and I found this guy, Josh, and we talked on the phone. It seemed like a good fit. I brought him in. He's funny as hell. He's, uh, he's just a great guy. And then he brought his friend in and that guy, he might be, Jeff might be even funnier than Josh. <laughs> and and they're they're just really great. I I lucked out um by trusting in strangers. And the way I run the show, honestly, it puts a lot of pressure on me because I have to read and I have to run the board and I have to keep an eye on the video and I have to make sure everything sounds good and I have to run all the production and I have to try to be funny. And it's a lot easier when I know that those guys are there being very good at the being funny part so that if I'm not funny, I don't have to carry the show. Yeah, that makes a big difference. It gives you a bit of breathing room to glance over and check things or just just make sure you're on track with the, the structure of the episode that you want or whatever, you know, is that 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 kind of um ability just to switch off for two seconds while they, they go off on that tangent and you can drop back in and react then when when you feel ready can can be a real lifesaver in terms of maintaining the chemistry and and the production value for sure yeah it's it's very important um because i mean i i don't know i think they're funnier than me in general um but when i have to do all that stuff it's just so hard to put your brain also you know simultaneously in the weird place you have to be to be funny and in the very structured place you have to be to keep everything organized and running smoothly yeah yeah exactly exactly and and so you you kind of you've got the podcast back where it was before so it's taken you like 40 to 50 episodes to kind of climb back up after you lost that momentum um do you feel like do do you feel like this whole kind of endeavor has, has been worth it so far? And and do you feel like the the way the show is going, it means that it's going to be better and allow more growth than you ever thought you would? The show is definitely a lot better. It's it, I, honestly, I think that it's better than I set out for it to be initially. 
Um, and that's mostly on Josh and Jeff, my co-hosts. They they bring a lot to it. They really enjoy it. There's a lot of laughter. We on the we did two episodes last night of Batman Year One by Frank Miller. And our faces were hurting halfway through. I was going to say, I listened to like your first couple of episodes, like episode one and two. And then I listened to episode 100, which you recommended. And uh, you've got chemistry in both both episodes for certain, but there's a, a more polished quality um, and a, a much more um, energetic chemistry to the later episodes now with your new setup for certain. Uh, and the episodes are really tight. You don't waste any time with long-witted intros or anything. You're very much kind of... This is this is why we're here. This is what we're going to do, and then you just facilitate that kind of read and the comedy to go out. So, I guess that that that's a process of sharpening that you've learned over well over a hundred episodes. I guess it's partially that, and it's partially during that hiatus. I didn't just rest on my laurels and think about what I wanted the show to be. I went back and I listened to those fifty nine episodes, and I really took note of what was bothering me about them, and what landed for me and what didn't. Um, I've, I'm a lifelong Looney Tunes fan and Chuck Jones was one of my great idols. And I've read both his autobiographies because he lived a long life. He needed two autobiographies to tell it. <laughs> and one of the lessons I learned from one of those books, uh, I think it was Duck Amok, was um, that he wasn't making those cartoons for children. But neither was he making them for adults. Those animators in that old Warner Brothers animation unit were making stuff that made themselves laugh. And if you can do that, if you can make yourself laugh, then someone else out there is going to laugh. Your sense of humor is not completely unique to you. So just entertain yourself and you'll entertain somebody else out there. I've... Like my experience working in comedy, unless we were laughing behind the camera, you you knew it was a good indication of whether it was going to work or not. If you could, if you know, if you're having a good time and and you're kind of enjoying yourself, uh, and and you're really getting a buzz off it, then yeah, there's ch- chances are even if there's a small percentage of the population, humor is subjective, but other people will buy into that and and feel like they're in the room and enjoy the chemistry as well. Yeah, it's it's exactly that. And um, I, I don't have any illusions that this podcast is ever going to be a moneymaker for me. Thus far, I think I have made $20 total. And I don't want to even estimate how much I've spent on equipment. But um, I have so much fun doing it. And that's the important part. Like just having these guys over, laughing our asses off, and then putting that out in the world. And knowing that some honestly paltry number of people every week are also laughing at it and enjoying it, that's that's really all I need. It's not. It's a hobby. It's not a business endeavor for me. Yeah, but I guess you know, it's not always about the 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 size of the audience. It depends on your your definition of what success is, and if success for you is having a show that you. You feel passionate about putting this together and meeting up with with the, your co-hosts every week and and doing it and you get out of it what you 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 kind of feel is worth the effort for putting in then that is that's, that's success. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And I'm I'm even branching out. 
you know, I'm enjoying doing the podcasting so much that I've taken up co-hosting duties on someone else's podcast, which is literally just talking nerd stuff for an hour with a guy once a week. <laughs> I would do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I'm just it's doing just, it with a microphone. Just got a microphone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. And I'm getting ready to start a third podcast, which is going to be completely unlike the others. It'll be a, a real polished, edited, lot of work podcast. Um, and that's going to be an after show for the show Stargirl, because I worked on the show Stargirl, so I have all kinds of inside information. And, uh, and I also made friends with the cast who have graciously agreed to be interviewed. So I felt like that would be just a wasted opportunity if I didn't make that podcast. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think, you know, the privilege of that access and the ability to kind of uh, make those links to, to be able to make a companion podcast for a show like that. that that's, that's amazing. But you must be really excited. I'm super excited. I just wish <laughs> that someone would announce a release date for the show so that I could start planning properly yeah yeah exactly exactly is is uh, to piggyback off the uh off off the kind of release of the show as well that, that's good thinking the smart thinking it's going to be it's going to be plastered everywhere um in terms of uh, sides of buses and tv spots and everything and here's the thing um i i'd seen in all these podcast uh groups and subreddits you know everyone wants to know how to grow their audience and the the advice is always oh, well, you know, have your guests tweet out that they were on your show and tweet a link to it when it posts. And my show doesn't have guests. That doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when I do the Stargirl after show, um, I'm going to have guests. And one of those guests has 1.6 million Instagram followers. So maybe this podcast will make more than $20. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, um, that's, that's always, uh, it's always worth looking at what you have in front of you. What strengths do you have? Uh, and using those and building that as part of the plan. Because if you've got uh, someone like that who's willing to, to, to plug away and, and talk about it, then it makes total sense. That's, that's a good plan. <laughs> and now I haven't listened to a lot of your podcast, and maybe this is advice that you have already given. Um, but I've found myself, I don't know, I guess I feel like I know podcasting now because my studio is so cool looking. Um, but when people are asking questions about podcasting, I'm like, I, I can help them. And so what I typically chime in with is just do it. Just start. People want to get all just the right equipment and make sure they have the exact right software and get everything set up. And if you do that, you're not going to ever make a podcast. So what you have, what you can get quickly, do that and then let yourself grow. Just start creating and don't worry about perfection because no one's perfect when they start. No, exactly. That's, I think like even if people are using Anchor and they just start learning to uh to kind of present and host and structure an episode and put things together even if it never gets uh much of an audience it might just be a good learning experience that you can improve on so that when something does click and you want to launch a show in a different way you've got that experience of trying to put something out regularly and um 
what, what do you feel is your biggest achievement? Because it sounds like there's a lot of barriers that you overcome. Is, is there anything that really stands to you as like a, a moment where you were like, this was this was so worth the effort? Honestly, just the enjoyment I get out of doing it is the real answer. Yeah. Um, but the most palpable, I guess, symbol of that is that now I've only got three written reviews on the US iTunes store. Like I said, the people listening to my show are not vocal about it. Maybe maybe it's an embarrassing secret. Maybe I'm a guilty pleasure. I don't know. <laughs> but I did get a five-star review that was not nearly as long as the novel-length one-star review, but it understood the show. Um, it, you know, it wasn't one of those, hey, great podcast, five stars, yay. It it actually talks about the show. It understands it. It likes the things that I want it to like. Um, you know, it's it's the one review that's telling me, dude, you're on the right track. You're doing what you want to do. You're achieving what you want to achieve. And it just makes me want to keep going. Yeah, that's that's all it takes is like there was one review to kind of... Uh put you on this new path and then another review to reaffirm that you you did the right thing and you followed through on it uh i can i can understand why that really um resonated with you also you know it's really nice that that's the one that you see first unless you scroll down to the bad one is there any other advice you would give to somebody who was who's going to start out you mentioned just get started but is there anything else maybe in relation to when choosing a host what would you what would you say to people if they were um going through their their, their phone contacts going who should I start a podcast with that's the kind of thing that i do see in these groups people ask and it really always comes down to what kind of show you're doing i don't know i would say don't think that because you can talk with someone for a long time over a beer that that person's necessarily going to be entertaining or engaging on a podcast yeah i think i think that's really good advice because that's the inspiration for a lot of podcasts i think it's we're really funny we should just record our conversations and put it on the internet is is the genesis of of so many shows oh yeah that's fully half of itunes yeah yeah um (laughs) exactly i i think maybe See if you if you're going for someone you know as a po- as a podcast co-host, see how well they tell a story on their own. Um, I recently, when I was seeking out a co-host for this Stargirl show, one of the people that was interested sent me a link to her podcast, and it is not a podcast that I would normally listen to. It's just one lady talking about what's on her mind. No, co- I and I typically, no matter how interesting you are, if you're a one person podcast, I'm usually not interested. Like, just one person talking always bores me. But there was something about this woman, she was just speaking off the top of her head, she didn't have an outline, you could tell that, but she was crafting an amazing story structured where just the right amounts of backstory were dropped into just the right places to give you context for the overall thing. 
And I was going to listen to 10 minutes of her podcast to see what she sounded like. And I listened to two episodes because I was engaged. If you can find someone that will engage people the way the host of Talks with Tasha does, um, do it. Co-host with that person. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's some people are just natural born storytellers and can just engage people that way. Then that's definitely gold. <laughs> they're the kind of people who need to be on podcasts. Yeah, whether they're interacting with you greatly, uh, I mean that's good, but it's not always a good indicator because when you're wrapped in those conversations, you don't honestly know what you sound like outside of that conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need to see what your co-host is like just carrying a conversation on their own from the outside, I guess. So go to go to a social situation. Yeah, uh, I think they're called parties. Um <laughs> I haven't been to a party in years. I got kids, so listen to other people speak. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time doing this interview and, and telling us the story. I know, I know it's kind of quite personal and, you know, you've got a really good friend tied up into this, but I really appreciate you kind of opening up and, and telling us the, the kind of ups and downs of what happened. You know, this is something uh, that that old co-host and I, we still um, work a lot of stuff together. But he and I uh, will do a lot of these videos and we, we, uh, we do a lot of videos and stuff for his YouTube channel. And we do... Um, We'll just talk about stuff, and I know that Trevor's going to have to edit it later, and I always apologize because I just go off on tangents or I ramble for a while, and I'm like, I know you're going to have to edit this, and it's going to be painful, and I have that same feeling for you right now, Reese. <laughs> hey, listen, it's fine. I, I, I always need to edit myself anyway. I'm a rambler, so it's fine. Uh, but I, I appreciate that you wanted to have me on at all. I... um. This is my first time being interviewed as a podcaster or pro probably anything. <laughs> well, you know, it's, sometimes this can be quite a, an unusual experience to kind of reflect back and look at what you've done and speak to a complete stranger about it as well. I, um, I have to say, I feel like I've arrived now. You know what? That, I'm going to change my answer to that previous question. The thing that makes me feel like I've arrived, it's this. It's <laughs> you talking to me today. I just got to wait for somebody to interview me about this podcast, and we're getting really meta then as well. Okay, so that's peak podcast. Yeah, that would be peak podcast, definitely. <laughs> I have a podcast about doing podcasts about starting podcasts. Can uh, I interview? <laughs> it will happen eventually. So <laughs> it's, just a, it's, it's, it's just a matter of time. Podcast inception. Um, would you like to plug uh, all of your things that need to be plugged? You know what? I would just be happy if people would go and listen to Table Reads. Um, it, our website is tablereadspodcast.com. Um, and from there, you can find everything else you need to know about it. Fantastic. Thanks so much. And uh, good luck with all the new shows as well. And uh, uh, will, will we see any of your work uh, on, on, uh, on screen in Stargirl? Oh, yes. I am the graphic designer for the show. And so anytime there's like a physical graphic, not like the on-screen stuff, but props and signs and things like that, all me, whole show, the high school mascot, I drew that. <laughs> well, thanks for your time anyway. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. 
visit podstarter.io to find out how we can help you build the podcast you and your audience needs. To listen to more episodes, search Podstarter wherever you find your podcasts or visit our website. You can also find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Podstarter is produced in Nova Scotia, Canada by podstarter.io.